Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily NFL podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock, alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at Speedy Peacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find this podcast on all of your favorite podcast apps, just like every program here. Your team is covered on the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got a lot of news on this Wednesday episode, Matt, in Indianapolis, and you're there, and uh, I, I think the big thing that's swirling around is the collective bargaining agreement stuff, and uh, and I, just teams and players and free agents are sort of in a holding pattern, right, to figure out what's going to go on with this thing. Yeah, and actually, I'm looking out the window, and the snow's been swirling around here in Indy all day, so it's a, it's a very white Colts hometown, and we're going to have some Colts news here to talk about as well, but I really think the underlying current of the whole environment here is waiting, anticipating for this CBA to get done. And I'm going to comment on it. I don't pretend to be a CBA expert. My partner with Steeler Nation Radio, Dale Lawley, is real into it and has been writing extensively about it. So I've been kind of learning through him. But it sounds like to me, there's three levels of this that the when the Owners presented it to the players. A lot of people looked at it like walking in to buy a car, like sticker price is 10 grand. I'm going to offer you eight. We'll settle on nine. That's not what happened here is it really was almost a collective agreement. They knew exactly what the players wanted. They presented this thing saying, I think this is what's best for us. It's kind of a close to a take it or leave it situation. The first level of players declined it six to five. And then it went to the 32 player representatives and they declined it. So now it goes to almost like an electrical or electoral vote where every player in the league will have a say. And the beauty of that for getting it done is the 20th through 53rd player on the roster is going to be a lot more excited about this than Aaron Rodgers, J.J. Watt, Richard Sherman, the people that were in the, the first wave of votes. And they speak for the whole league, but still, this is help, more helpful to the middle class, the lower class, than it is for the bazillionaires. So there's a lot of um, excitement that this will get done, but it's going to take a little longer now because they have to inform every player in the league, coach them up a little bit, and then they'll have to make their choices. So I don't think it comes out in the next day or two, but it wouldn't shock me if Shefty and those guys are saying, this is going to pass. It just hasn't yet. So that's absolutely huge. And what's huge about it, not only would we have 10 more years of a labor agreement and a lot of different changes because of it, which most of them I think are for the better, including a 17th game, But now these teams can actually start signing their own, franchising, figuring out a plan of attack. Because in a way, you know, we've been operating under the assumption, like if you're the Titans, you're going to have a transition tag and a a franchise tag this year. There's the 30% rule because it's a, a labor year. Well, if all those things get washed away, everyone will be knowing exactly how much they can spend, who they can keep. And it's that's overdue. Like that needs to happen soon. The 17th regular season game was a big sticking point here. And I never understood the idea of a proposal where it didn't just get treated like another game and you got an extra game check. How does that work out? And and how did the NFL think they were going to slide that past the NFLPA? 
Yeah, that one is interesting. And I think that's one concession that the owners have made is they basically said your existing contracts that are signed will give you the 16 games as we agreed on. And then that 17th game, we will give you up to 250 grand for that game. Well, if you're Aaron Rodgers making 30 million and averaging 2 million a game or give or take, and you say, you're going to pay me a quarter of a million for this game. You're like, hey, cool. And I think the owners said, we'll go up to a million for that one, which in the scheme of things is small potatoes. But to me, it makes it look like, hey, the owners are giving something up, you know, but that's a very small amount of money over the course of one week a year. And I I mean, that one never jived for me to beginning. I'm like, why would the players be cool with that? If you're making, if you're averaging 2 million a year and you're only 2 million a game and you give me you know, quarter of a million for one. And then for some players, and you mentioned when it goes to more players that get to vote, that extra game is actually a lot more money than at that point than what if you're making the minimum. So it's just a wild skew for that one extra game and, and how that pay scale is going to work. Yeah, and like the, we were talking about like the bottom of the roster guys that are on rookie contracts or free agent rookie contracts. Most of those guys would get like a $90,000 raise next year. So they, all of us out there listening can at least sort of relate to those people financially. You know, they're making league minimum. They have very little in the bank. They're likely very young. And if all the people listening, if your boss said, if you sign this CBA, I'll give you a $90,000 raise next year, you're probably <laughs> going to say yes. Right. Yeah. So there's definitely the have not, have and haves and have nots when it comes Very to NFL so. contracts in the bottom of those rosters. And there might be a little roster expansion and then it's going to affect franchise tags, which that franchise tag window was supposed to open in the next couple of days. And teams need to figure out how they're going to be able to attack that thing. Yeah. And that's going to get bumped back a little. And again, the owners need to know and the decision makers, the personnel people need to know what rules we're playing under. I mean, uh, it's very, very different. Small example, and I, I would bring it back to the Steelers because I've been talking about it all day. A little birdie, it's actually John Clayton, sat down with us today and said he expects the salary cap, assuming this deal goes through, to go up by 30, $30 million more than was originally projected. Wow. Well, the Steelers, for example, were looking at it like, well, probably, you know, franchise Bud Dupree, but Hargrave's going to have to leave and we're going to have to make some cuts. Well, now you look at it and say, we could probably keep everybody. You know, and that's just one small example. And of course, it affects the Vikings and the Jags and the teams that are tight more than the guys that have 90 million. And it would seem to me that if that's the case, almost every team is going to do everything they can to keep their guys because all of a sudden they have this massive amount of cap space to franchise tag somebody that it might have been more difficult or maybe they don't have to cut that star player that they might have before. So that actually might limit some some player movement in some cases if everyone's getting tagged because every team is now has an extra $30 million under the cap. Yeah, I agree with you. And I also think it will make a lot, if you're thinking about extending a guy, you know, again, I'll bring it back to Steelers, TJ Watts coming up, you know? And, and so, well, now let's do it now. Let's do it a year early. You know, like then maybe it'll affect next year's free agency. It'll be a lesser pool. And the year after that, it'll be a lesser pool because you're dumping it into your young stars. And I'm with you. I mean, because there is a floor you have to spend. Like we were talking to a Bengals guy going, we have a hard time attracting free agents. If we decide not to keep A.J. Green, which he thinks they probably will keep him, 
we're gonna we might have a tough time spending enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So there might be it's one of the few times where the free agents out there, the supply isn't that strong. And the Bengals is that's one of those obvious ones now. Like, why would you yeah. not franchise tag AJ Green? You're bringing in a, right. a rookie quarterback. You want to give him the best opportunity. Why not keep a, a top ten caliber wide receiver on your roster? Franchise tag him for one year. It's not a long term commitment. So if he does break down again and he's hurt, it's not going to hurt you long term. I mean, that's one of those dominoes I think with the new CBA. And if you throw an extra thirty million dollars on top of the cap for a team that might have trouble spending all their money anyway, I mean, that's a no-brainer to tag somebody like A.J. Green to me. Yeah, perfect example, right? Exactly. You know, and some of them, but in other ways, it hurts some people too. Like I keep bringing up the Titans. Like They have Conklin, they have Logan Ryan, but more importantly, they have Tannehill and Derrick Henry up. Well, a lot of us just assumed that they would franchise Henry and transition Tannehill or vice versa. Well, now you only have one of those tags, assuming the CBA goes through, and yeah, they got a ton of cap money, but they may have to compete for their guys on the open market now. Right. And with all those teams with all that extra cap space to right. compete for those. So if you have multiple free agents, it could hurt you because now there's going to be that extra a bit of money out there for other teams to spend and try to steal your guys away if you can't franchise tag him. So uh, very yeah, interesting. You think you're close. You're the Colts, for example, yeah. and thought, eh, we're not in on Derrick Henry. Well, now I got 30 million more and I already had 90. Maybe it's not the best investment ever, but we could use Derrick Henry and take him away from Tennessee. Speaking of the Colts, and you are in Indianapolis, and things are probably a little bit of extra rumors just because you're in Indy with things that involve the Colts, a potential quarterback that could be landing in Indy. We'll talk about that next and the potential number one overall pick. Matt, this report from Tony Pauline of the Pro Football Network he says that people at the NFL Combine have indicated that Philip Rivers will sign with the Colts. The sources reportedly point to the fact that Rivers has a great relationship with head coach Frank Reich, and it's an easy signing as the Colts are projected to have a lot of room under the cap, and if the cap goes up, that makes that even easier for the Colts to sign a veteran quarterback. Yeah, and... I didn't hear any of that while I was in the Indiana, Indiana Convention Center, and I actually sat down with Colts Radio right before I came here. So that must be pretty new news. But I also thought that was, and I think we said it on the podcast in previous weeks, that it was the most likely landing spot for me and the most logical landing spot. And I get it. I mean, I, I, I don't think Rivers played well, and I have some worries that he might be cooked. But I would rather take my chances with him than Brissett, at least for one year. And the key to me with this situation is they have a line in place. I mean, if you're going to protect Rivers, then we might see a different version than we saw last year. And I've been so critical of the Chargers over over Rivers' whole career, but especially lately, late when he's up in age, how poorly they've done putting resources into the offensive line and protecting him. So... The line's in place. It's a very stable, strong organization. Former head coach, or the coach is a former head coach, a former quarterback. Hilton will return. I think they will do be very aggressive in terms of either adding a first round Jerry Judy, CD mm -hmm. Lamb, or a wide receiver of note. I mean, I know Devin Funches isn't a great player, but they gave him $10 million like the day free agency opened last year and drafted Paris Campbell. So that is a chance to be a pretty decent offense. And I wonder, would they still be in the 
Jordan Love conversation? Or do you just go Rivers, Brissett's a high-end backup, and we still like his upside? Yeah, and, and push that quarterback thing into the next year and not try to overdraft a guy. I like that for the Colts. And you're sitting there in the middle of the first round, somebody like C.D. Lamb would make a lot of sense, a very yeah. Keenan Allen-style wide receiver, someone you can line up in the slaughter outside for Phillip Rivers with the Colts. And it would be a good match to go at the speedster and T.Y. Hilton there at that in that indie offense. You have the offensive line. So I, I really like the way that is going for the Colts, if that ends up being the case. And, and this report, the way it's worded, it's not that uh, that there's rumors that there might be some connection. It's that... Indications have been that Philip Rivers yeah. will sign with the Colts. That's what kind of jumped out to me with this report. Uh, that that's a pretty yeah. definite report. Yeah, and that, that makes perfect sense to me. That totally lines up. Um, I believe it. I don't think that's smoke. And the Colts also have the Redskins' early, early second round pick. So I know it's not a Colts thing to do, but I was just saying on the air with those guys. Hey, if like CD Lamb makes perfect sense too, as does Judy. But if Kinlaw's there or hey, I would consider trading up for Derrick Brown, the, the Auburn defensive mm, tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really think that, I mean, Chase Young's a superstar and is the f- best defensive player in this draft. But most years, I think Derrick Brown might be the best defensive player in his respective draft. And he may fall to the Cardinals or Carolina, you know, 7-8-ish. If I was there at 13, it wouldn't cost me an arm and a leg to get to 7 to get Derrick Brown. I mean, now you're talking. And Frank Reich was very noncommittal. There, there's been a lot of coaches and GMs talking about their current quarterback situations, and it's funny because they will talk out of one side of their mouth and praise the guy that they have, but they won't confirm that he's their guy either. We saw that with the Colts during media sessions Tuesday. We saw it with the Titans, the Panthers, the Raiders. Uh, there's been some smoke this week about Tom Brady, and you know there's an obvious New England connection there with the head coach in, in Tennessee. So the Titans and Tom Brady has been a rumor going on this week. Do you like that marriage potentially if Tom Brady yeah, did leave New England? That's growing on me too. I mean, he played with Vrabel. Supposedly they're really close. GM has has ties to the Titans. And I don't know that the Titans are as much of a contender as they're impressive, and I'm not taking anything away from playoff run indicates. But And I'm a Tannehill guy, but you, if you're that close – and you bring in the massive presence that TB12 would be to your team and protect him well, you got to think that that's an upgrade and that the Titans probably at a minimum are your favorite in the South, right? I would think so. Looking in the yeah. short term, and you don't know, and Tannehill's still in his 30s and it's a little bit of a one-year wonder there, and if you think, well, maybe uh-huh. we were able to raise him up because we were able to run the ball and help Tannehill out, and you have some good young receivers there on the outside, you would think that Tom Brady in the short term would be an upgrade over Tannehill, despite how good Tannehill did play last year. Uh, yeah. I like that, and and then you don't have to have a bidding war for a guy. You're, you might not be completely set and sure that you want to hand out a bunch of long-term money to in Tannehill. Yeah, and I do like Tannehill, but if you would go to Brady and Tannehill goes elsewhere, you're probably not going to kick yourself for the next 10 years. You know, you probably can find somebody in as in the next year or two as Brady's replacement that is at least that level. And again, I think Tannehill's a good player, but I don't think you're going to cry 10 years from now. Oh, we let Tannehill go, you know, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> the, the Chargers letting Drew Brees go or something. So uh, I do like that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, also, almost if Brady, okay, hypothetical, Brady signs with Tennessee, with all respect to Belichick, and I don't know what quarterback would replace him. It wouldn't just be Stidham. And, I mean, they'd, have, they'd find somebody, Carr, Dalton, whomever. 
I got to think the Titans are a much better team than the Patriots. Without a doubt. I mean, yeah, Belichick's still Belichick over there, but yeah, without yeah. that quarterback, it would be hard pressed to say that I think that that they would even win the East because the Bills are a good football yeah. team too, and, and already given them all they can handle there. Um, with Brady, I think they would still be the cream of the crop there in the East, but it would be hard to project them as being a playoff team if, if Brady was to go. And it would be interesting to see how they tried to replace him both short and long-term at quarterback with the Patriots. Real quick Patriot note for you, because I was asked this question today. Um, my co-host this, this afternoon said, okay, let's talk about some of the best teams in the league. And Matt, who do you consider true building block foundational players that are three years at least of high production, preferably young, you know, high, high quality assets, you know, like for your team, obviously Kittle was one, you know, like those type of guys. And he asked me the Patriots and I said, I guess Gilmore, but he's not young. What's he gonna be like in three years and nobody else. Right. Yeah. I'm trying to think of, I mean, their last few first round picks, Sony Michelle's not right. that guy. Uh, their offensive no. line uh, banged up. They they want to move like him to Harry. yeah. They want to move him to tackle instead of or uh, guard instead of tackle. Some people do. Um, like who is the real building blocks that are on that roster now that are going to be high factor players two years from now? Yeah, that and is an Belichick make you know make chicken soup out of chickens droppings, but <laughs> there's not. It's not a good roster. <laughs> Um, the Raiders too is an interesting one. And there was a, a report right before the combine and, and we didn't really get to it cause there was a lot of stuff going on, but this was from Benjamin Albright, who is usually pretty plugged in. He's a Denver area radio guy, but he seems to ha have some good sources within the league. And he, he always is, is pretty right on with some of the stuff he talks about. And he talked about the bears quietly looking at quarterback options. Trubisky will still get the shot to be the guy, but much like the Titans with Mariota last year, the leash is short. They'd prefer a veteran ready-to-play option. If the Raiders were to move on from Carr, they'd be interested. Uh, and, and I was thinking at the time, okay, there was the Tom Brady to Raiders stuff that was being talked about as well, but Carr potentially being available, maybe Carr to New England. If Brady leaves, then what are the Raiders going to do at quarterback? They do have a couple of draft picks, um, maybe Carr to the Bears. I mean, just so much potential for movement here at quarterback. Yeah, there is, and... As soon as you said the Bears, I thought, wow, if they had $30 million more to spend, they're, they might be the team more than anyone doing jumping jacks because that's a quarterback. You know I mean? They were really cash-strapped that they'd, they'd be a little limited in what they could do or they'd have to cut people in order to add even Andy Dalton or Cam Newton or Carr or anyone along those lines, all of whom are better than Trubisky. And it's funny, though, but as I walked into the media uh, radio road today, um, Mike Mayock was at the podium. So I stopped and listened and timed up perfectly. He was talking about Carr and he was, I know there's coach speaking. I don't believe anything this time of year, but he was really praising Carr, you know, that his completion percentage, his lack of turnovers, the yardage moving the team. And he said, you know, we, we didn't score as many touchdowns as we like, but he raved about how well Carr played. And that's something I kind of said all year too, is, He's kind of easy to dislike, and he's a little bit too risk-adverse for my liking. But he's had a pretty good year. I thought he had a pretty good year. I mean, there was a lot of quarterbacks that were starting around the league that played much worse than Derek Carr this year. And he didn't have the most help as far as receivers no. go. No. All right. Uh, one more quarterback note, 
and the Lions in the draft and the number three pick and Tua and the number one overall pick. Let's get to that stuff next. Matt, we've got to talk Joe Burrow here and the small thing, the small hands thing he was hit with this week, nine inch hands, and it's less than ideal for most teams. He'd like to have nine and a half or, or nine and a quarter seems to be the cutoff. Nine inches is on the very small side. Both of us have bigger than nine inch hands. Um, but <laughs> he, he said on Twitter after that, uh, considering retirement, after I was informed the football will be slipping out of my tiny hands, please keep me in your thoughts. <laughs> I thought that was funny. A sense of humor from Joe Burrow, and he doesn't seem worried about it. I don't think the Bengals really seem worried about it. And the other thing Joe Burrow doesn't seem worried about is going number one overall to the Cincinnati Bengals. And he pretty much put any talk about not wanting to go to Cincinnati to rest. He said, of course, I want to be the number one overall pick. Uh, Burrow will not be throwing at the Combine, though. He'll be working out next month at LSU's Pro Day. And throwing at the combine would be a bad move for him because if you're sitting at number one, you have nowhere to go but down. He's not going to be a rocket arm, jaw-dropping velocity passer in you know, in Lucas Oil Stadium. So why even do it, and especially when you're next to Herbert and Love and guys that have bigger arms than you? So why do it? Um, as for the hand size, we talked about it a little yesterday. I mean, it's mostly much ado about nothing, especially because his ball placement is so spectacular already you know, that he's he's made do with it, to say the least. Um, but I do think there is a real confidence, cocky, leader, arrogant, whatever, however you want to phrase it, um, that the Bengals absolutely need. And I mostly believe him that, hey, you know, I'm just excited to get drafted by anyone, yada, yada. But, and it's been a while, but Eli turned his nose up at a team. Elway turned his nose up at a team first overall. I would not be excited about going to the Bengals, but we don't really see that anymore. Yeah, and he was a Ohio native too, I think, yes. which might help a little bit. And maybe if there is something like that going on, it's behind the scenes and it's definitely not happening publicly for Joe Burrow. So it still looks like a, a solid marriage there. Number one overall, Joe Burrow seems to be nothing changing, even though he did have the small hands. Uh, then there's another quarterback, Tua Tagovailoa, has that hip surgery. Some people seem to think he's he might be trying to rush back. All of a sudden, I, I thought he was going to be not playing at all this entire next football season as a rookie. And he's talking about being full go and ready to go at his own pro day, which is going to happen April 9th. And I'm thinking, okay, now he's going full go and is going to actually work out. I, I just think that's a bad idea. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I also want to bring I have another quarterback note I want to give to you too and that I, I, a little birdie told me. But um I didn't realize that until today either. We we grabbed Dane Brugler from The Athletic, and he sat down with us for 15 minutes, and we were talking quarterbacks a little bit. And he broke that news to me saying, well, first of all, we've heard no negatives. I mean, the medicals have already occurred here for quarterbacks. Nothing has come through the grapevine of, boy, he's in bad shape. So I, I kind of feel like no news is good news. Um, doesn't mean he's could play right now or ready to go. But he is planning on doing a pro day. And the one thing that Dane mentioned, that if you watch to a throw, he really puts a lot of stress on his hips. You know, that, that generating that torque to really use his hips and, you know, drive it through the throw. And it's just more so than most quarterbacks. So his, he'd be, I'd be careful with the, pro, the whole pro day thing. That doesn't seem ideal because I don't think he's yeah. going to necessarily – He people know what he is, and people already like him. If you're talking about drafting number three overall, again, like Burrow, it's a situation where he could hurt himself, and Burrow does need to throw at his own pro day, but that's where you want to do it in your own 
environment there if you're Burrow. There's no injury problems, and he doesn't want to throw against these cannon arm guys at the combine. For Tua, it's different because you could actually hurt your prospects if you if you if you injure yourself or re-injure yourself, and if you do put a lot of torque on your hip, it just seems completely unnecessary for what his draft stock is. And it's a good sign that he's competitive, but I think his agents need to be in his ear and be like, hey, calm down, dude. You're you're going to get drafted high. Go get healthy before you start screwing around. Yes, but that leads me to my next note. And maybe there is a little correlation here. And I don't see it, but I believe what I was told today that the NFL is starting to fall in love with Justin Herbert. That not that maybe he's pushing to for the three spot or two spot, but I was pretty much told that don't be surprised if three quarterbacks go in the top five. And I think what the chargers sit there at six, that they may not have a shot at one. And David Gettleman from the New York giants said that they are open for business at pick number four, which makes a ton of sense to me because if they're looking at an offensive tackle, they could get one of those top couple of guys, even if they maybe miss out on their number one option at tackle number two or three should still be there. A couple of picks later, if they were to move down to say six or seven. So that's a no brainer. And Miami still sitting there at pick five. And if they're not able to get up to number three, I could see a team wanting to get up to number four to get ahead of them. And maybe that's where someone like Herbert go. If there is just a really trade crazy top of the draft there and teams trying to get up to get those quarterbacks. And then there's still the Lions, who I've seen multiple times in mock drafts going quarterback at three. And I got to thinking, if the Lions, let's say, I think it's unlikely, let's say the Lions, though, say, you know what, we're going to stand pat. We've done our evaluations. We like a quarterback at three. They do draft a quarterback three overall. I got to thinking, what about Matthew Stafford? And then it just hit me. Matthew Stafford to Tampa under Bruce Arians. I don't know if there's a better veteran fit with the no risk it, no biscuit the way Bruce Arians likes to drive the ball down the field than Matthew Stafford. I really like that fit. I think it's all unlikely, but just in, in just in case that's the craziest thing ever. Yeah, Lions go three. Stafford to Tampa makes a lot of sense to me. And you create more cap space. You you you, you might buy yourself time as a coach. We have this long term thing in pl- in place. Trade slay as well. You know, I mean, try to gather up picks from those two assets and create cap space. It seems like a Patricia thing to do. Um, and Tampa Bay, their defense got a lot better. They have really good receivers. I think Arians is a a very good coach, especially with offense and driving the ball down the field. They can get a running back anywhere. Like with all respect to the saints, and I probably would still take the saints to win that division, but I would definitely have the bucks ahead of the Falcons or or Panthers. Right. And it would be the win now move for, Tampa, maybe the good. maybe the best quarterback that they could get on the veteran market if they can't get a Tom Brady to to go there. And I thought you were going to say Patriots when you were talking about Stafford. Oh, I well, like yours better, but that that's another be so bad either. That's another one that makes sense too. Absolutely, yeah. And um, so th- there should be a market for Stafford if Lions wanted to go that route. And I and I wouldn't be surprised if they did. And then the Lions by trading Stafford by trading Slay could create some more of that draft capital that they would have created from trading down from three instead. And if you're Tampa, you're in the middle of the first round, you might be on the outside looking in and have to trade up for one of these rookie quarterbacks anyway. Why not go get a veteran? So it does make some sense. It makes a lot of sense. So it almost makes too much sense. I think it's a really good observation from you because I was always thinking, hey, they'll trade down, get a nice group of picks, but they could take two and get a nice group of picks from Stafford and Slay. You know, so they might get best of both worlds including cap space and including youth. But of the Newton, Dalton, Carr, 
group, I would rather have Stafford by a mile than all those guys. I agree. I absolutely agree. Yeah. 100%. And, and the Lions might feel that way. The Lions might be sitting there thinking, well, we still have a pretty good quarterback here, so let's mm-hmm. let's try to build around this guy who's not not young, but he's not old either. But if it's a Alex Smith-Mahomes situation where this guy's noticeably older and we love this prospect, then you do it. Right, and we talked about the guts that Arizona had to have last year to draft Kyler Murray, even though they took a top 10 quarterback the year before. The quarterback is a position where you owe it to your franchise if the guy is there to go get him, and you owe it to your franchise if he's not really the guy, don't overpay for it and don't you know ruin yourself for the next three or four years. So if you do the evaluations and you come to that conclusion, if you're the Lions, even though it might not be something that a team see as a necessary thing to do and a huge need for your franchise. It actually is. If you have that franchise quarterback and you nail it, you take the special quarterback. Yep. I mean, it's really this, that simple. And, and it's a cost controlled situation. And back to my Herbert note, I, I often said, boy, the lions are in the sweet spot that people be banging on their door for either young or Tua, And, but now maybe the giant spot is going to be more coveted than I thought if if Herbert's really a, a a target of three or four teams. Yes, and if you are uh, any of those teams, and we've seen it with Washington, Washington's bringing in all the quarterbacks. I mean, that's smart. All those teams, even if you're not going to draft a quarterback, bring them in and at least fake some interest. So if you're the Lions, you're Washington, uh, New York can't really fake interest in a quarterback there, but uh, I think it's smart from those teams to just try to create more more action around your spot in the draft. And even if you swat, you know, Dikembe Mutombo style and swat all these trade offers away and end up st- sticking and, and drafting there, it just helps your franchise to have those offers and create yourself some options. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a top of drafts getting a little bit more fun. Yeah, absolutely. It should be great fun, and that fun should continue. We'll keep breaking down all the rumors and uh, interested to hear what you hear about tomorrow in Indy, Matt, and we'll break it all down again right here. Locked on NFL.